Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Unbelievable! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot! And the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. And hello, welcome in, Monday edition of the program. Glad to have you with us here on the Big X. Complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Busy weekend, Indiana basketball is back. They had their first of two exhibition games. A big, easy win for the Hoosiers. And I know it's a non-Division One opponent, so you hate to get too excited. Obviously, there is a ton of excitement around this IU basketball program heading into the season, but I think a number of things to take away that fans should at least for now be very hopeful about. Uh, Some real progress from certain players and some praise for some of the incoming freshmen as well in the exhibition on Saturday, so we'll talk about that today as well. Also, uh, one football team left. Providence is our only local team still playing football. They'll head into a big sectional championship game coming up on Saturday, Friday evening, excuse me, against Tecumseh, who is undefeated. And so that's going to be fun to follow this week, and we'll be there on Friday night to cover that game. And uh, as well, Providence Volleyball heading to a 3A state championship game next weekend as well. And uh, another successful year for the Pioneers. They look to conclude it with a state championship. They had a big win over the weekend in the semi-state. Floyd Central Volleyball lost in the semi-state. Great season from them. Uh, but just very busy weekend. IU football had a bye week, so no IU football to follow this weekend, but lots of other college football to keep up with. So busy weekend. Glad to have you with us. Don't forget, if you miss our live show, you can always find us as a podcast. All you got to do is search for the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison, and you'll find us there. And the Thornton's text line is open if you want to send in a question or comment. You got your thoughts on IU basketball coming out of the weekend, whatever it may be. 502-414-1450 is the number. Again, 502-414-1450. That's the Thornton's text line. Thornton's is the perfect stop for all the best pick-me-up items you need to get your day started, like their fresh coffee and delicious donuts. And again, glad to have you with us as we begin a new week. We'll be here each and every day this week in the 11 o'clock hour. And it's just nice to have basketball to talk about. The season is here. Another exhibition game coming up on Thursday night for the Hoosiers. Uh, They'll play their first regular season game the following week against Moorhead State. And we can actually talk about things happening on the court instead of some of the storylines that have surrounded this team here in the offseason. Just good to be here. Good to be in uh, in the saddle as far as basketball season goes. Also a note that high school girls basketball in the area it gets underway really tomorrow. Uh, Tuesday's a huge night of games across our state, which is just a reminder that uh, high school basketball and the boys' season is coming up as well. Let's take a look at the show lineup for today, a service of Honey Baked Tam in New Albany. Segment one, we've got all your news and headlines and notes coming out of the weekend. 
We'll cover IU basketball. We'll cover Romeo Langford and the Spurs here in just a few moments. Also a little volleyball and high school football from the local level as well. And what happened to Louisville yesterday, losing to a Division II team in an exhibition game? It may be a really, really long season for Cardinals and their basketball fans. We'll talk about that coming up. Also later in the show, Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star will join us. Zach is the IU beat writer for the Star. He's with us on Mondays as we talk all things Indiana. And then later in the show, Chad Gilbert, Charlestown High School Athletic Director, IHSA Executive Board Member, former coach here in the area. We'll talk high school football, local sports, volleyball, Romeo, and more with Chad coming up later in the program today. That's the show lineup, a service of Honey Baked Tam in New Albany. Don't forget to check out their dinner package deals being offered. You can dine in, take them to go, and curbside basketball curbside meals are still available at Honey Baked Tam in New Albany. Again, Honey Baked Tam brings you the show lineup each and every day here on the program. Let's get into the headlines for today. Uh, things to take away from Saturday's game. First and foremost, let's give a shout out to Logan Duncombe. We did not see him hardly at all last year. We heard praise on him in the offseason, and he opens up the exhibition swing, the two-game season there, with 11 points and 11 rebounds, a double-double from Logan Duncombe on Saturday. I think that deserves some praise right out of the gate for what he was able to do. I know it's Marion. I know it's not a Division I school. I know it's a warm-up game, a test game. I get all that, but still very impressive for him to turn in that type of performance after basically no real production from him, no real minutes for him a year ago for Indiana. The second thing that stood out to me, freshman Malik Renew. Uh, his footwork was tremendous. He showed college-ready post moves. Uh, he is somebody that I think could be a real factor as the season goes on. And it's great because all the preseason praise when it comes to freshmen has belonged to Jalen hood Shafino, who played with Renew down at Montverde in Florida. And Renew came in, I thought, to the exhibition and showed that he's got the potential to help this team, maybe even against Big Ten level opponents because of his body and his athleticism, even as a freshman. I know it's rare in this conference, but he might be able to help out he looked good over the weekend. C.J. Gunn, I don't know that we're going to see that kind of time from him, an opportunity to shoot the balls, what we did on Saturday as the season wears on and Tamar Bates comes back into the fold. But he had a great shot on Saturday, was uh, knocking down his three-pointers. Race Thompson also knocking down some from long range. I think he was three of four on Saturday. Indiana's got to improve his three-point shooting and I thought Saturday's exhibition, again, albeit an exhibition, uh, probably a, uh, a good thing for this Indiana team to see those threes going in a little bit better than what it was the season before. One thing that maybe was a question mark on Saturday, Xavier, Xavier Johnson. He seemed to really struggle from the field. 2 of 11 from the field. He was 0 of 3 from beyond the three-point line. He finished with just four points, had four rebounds, three assists, two steals, two turnovers in 23 minutes. So he found some other ways to help out and impact the, the game, but obviously uh, I think Indiana fans expect more, want more, need more from Xavier Johnson if Indiana's going to reach some of the lofty expectations that have been put out there this season about what perhaps they can accomplish in the Big Ten Conference. Also, uh, we got to talk about Romeo Langford. He got an opportunity to start last night and made the most of his start last night, got I think 30 minutes for the Spurs, which is unbelievable. 
after he had not hardly played even in the uh, preseason, even when you think he would have gotten minutes regardless of the regular season, uh, you would think that he would have gotten some minutes, then he did not. And so with that said, to see him start last night, a big opportunity for him. He had, I think, seven points in the contest last night. A very productive game across all the different stat court categories out there. But I think we got to talk about really why he was able to get an opportunity to start. Josh Primo, a former first-rounder, a pick for the Spurs, uh, was let go from the team over allegations that he exposed himself to women multiple times. That news started breaking late in the week last week, and I wondered what it would mean for Romeo. Obviously, him an opportunity to start with some injuries as well, and he took uh, advantage of it. I've seen Romeo get some praise from the Spurs uh, beat writers and, and folks that cover the San Antonio franchise that he's a player in this situation that's going to get an opportunity to step up, whether that's a starter or somebody coming off the bench, that remains to be seen. But I thought he did make the most of the opportunity he got in the Sunday evening game for San Antonio. So good to see the local uh, getting some real minutes in a regular season NBA game. The Spurs are not very good. The Spurs have some in injuries. The primo situation uh, is only a benefit for Romeo. Obviously, it's a terrible situation for him or anyone to have to, to, to be in that situation and do something like that. Uh, but nonetheless, it may work out for Romeo and uh, the Spurs, who had a lot of guards and options right there with Romeo, if not ahead of him. He may get some more opportunity now because of that. Also, volleyball over the weekend, great stuff from Providence. They were able to get past number six-ranked Western Boone, 25-20, 25-16. Then they lost 12-25, lost 23-25, and won 15-7 in the 3A South semi-state at Columbus East on Saturday afternoon. So that was an exciting match. It started off 2-0 for Providence. Then Western Boone came back and won two in a row. And then Providence won the final set. So uh, a really, a really excellent postseason volleyball game. I know we got a lot of people that are into volleyball here locally because of the success of our local high school teams. Also a shout-out to Floyd Central. They lost to number two-ranked Yorktown. Uh, Floyd Central was ranked number six. They were defeated 25-11, 23-25, 25-21, and 25-16. So the Highlanders able to muster a win in one of the four sets on Saturday. That was the 4A South semi-state. Floyd Central finishes the season 30-7. and And Providence, now 30-6, and will move on to the 3A state championship game. They'll take on fourth-ranked Belmont, who also shares a 30-6 and record. That's a 4-30 game next Saturday in the championship game at Ball State University's Worthen Arena. So uh, a big opportunity ahead for Coach Perica and for the Pioneers. Uh, big stuff from them. No surprise, I think, by anybody that Providence is headed back to a volleyball state championship game coming up this weekend. Also, high school football. The bad news is we lost all of our local teams on Friday night except Providence. Providence had a tough game, I thought, on paper against West Washington on the road, but the Pioneers able to win 28-12 in that Class A sectional 48 semifinal game. The victory there on Friday means Providence, our only local remaining team at 7-3 on the year, will host at Murphy Stadium, 5th-ranked Tecumseh, 10-0 is Tecumseh in 1A football. That's a 7-30 game coming up on Friday uh, Tecumseh moved on to the sectional championship Friday night with a 49-20 win 
over North Davies in the other semifinal of that section sectional. So Providence, uh, they won their sixth sectional championship back in 2017, lost uh, the last three years, and of course last year Paoli, a winner over Providence 28-14 in the sectional semifinals. But Providence dropping down to 1A this year, uh, led 21-6 at halftime and able to get the win 28-12 Friday night. So Providence is our lone hope for a local football sectional champion, but they've got a very tough deal cut out for them as they'll take on undefeated Tecumseh coming up on Friday night. One other note from football, I'm not going to break down all the games right now, but Charlestown thought they really had a chance to win the sectional. I thought it would be a battle against Heritage Hills on Friday night. Ultimately, Heritage Hills able to put some space between them and Charlestown a little bit and win 35-25 over the Pirates. Really, the first loss on paper for Charlestown, uh, technically, that Providence game was a loss. Providence had to forfeit that game. Uh, but Charlestown, uh, a loss in the sectional semifinal to Heritage Hills, their first loss on paper. Really a historic year for the Pirates, a great team. Thought they had a chance to maybe win a sectional, but they'll come up short with a loss to Heritage Hills in the semifinal round. And then as we head to commercial break, Louisville yesterday loses 57-47 in their exhibition loss to Lenore Ryan, a Division II school who did not even have a good record last year. 57 points by the Cardinals. Their offense really, really uh, shuddered in that game, that exhibition game on Sunday for the Cardinals. So Kenny Payne, a lot of excitement there. I think we're all hopeful to see Indiana and Louisville hook up in a future season. We know Indiana and Kentucky are now on the books a few seasons for now. Going to be interesting to follow the success of Kenny Payne. He's made some recruiting uh, wins so far. Can he get it done in this first year on the court? I think it's going to be an interesting and maybe a tough year for the Cardinals. We'll head to a commercial break. We're back with Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star. We'll talk IU basketball and recap some of the highs and maybe a couple lows from the exhibition game on Saturday next. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. You know, a basketball hero around here is treated like a god. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. You know, most people would kill to be treated like a god just for a few moments. Here's Matt Dennison. All right, welcome back here on this Monday program. Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star with us. The Thornton's text line is open at 502-414-1450. If you've got a question on IU basketball or a comment on the exhibition game on Saturday, Zach, welcome into the show. A lot to take away from an exhibition game, albeit against a non-Division One opponent, but still... A number of things to be excited for, I think, coming out of the gate regarding this IU team. Yeah, I mean, like you said, you don't want to draw a crazy number of conclusions, but especially, I think, it's a chance to see this team. It's a chance in an uncontrolled environment. You know, when we talk about the, the closed-door scrimmages, 
that stuff is always, you know, fairly controlled and you can stop it and start it and work on different situational things. This is, you know, this is 40 minutes of live action. You can't pause it the way you could pause practice or, again, a scrimmage. And you're doing it if you are Malik Renew, if you are Jalen Shafino, you're doing it in front of an Assembly Hall crowd for the first time. And I think in a season where expectations are going to be very high, there's probably also a lot of value in just, you know, giving guys like that, guys that I think you're going to count on fairly heavily in different ways this season, um, giving them some of that exposure and some of that, uh, you know, just giving them a very early look at that to, to sort of, for lack of a better term, be ready for it because, you know, this, this season goes into high gear very quickly and, and expectations, as long as Indiana's performing up to what we think they're capable of, expectations are only going to rise. So getting them started early probably isn't a bad idea. Absolutely. And, Zach, lots that we can take away from this game. Plenty of talking points. I think we're both, uh, as guys that cover this IU basketball team on a daily basis, just glad to have actual basketball to review and write about for you, talk about for me. But one of the key takeaways was a freshman, and it wasn't necessarily Jalen hood Shafino. He's had a lot of praise I think we all agree he's got a great chance to have a breakout season, even as a freshman. But his high school teammate, Malik Renu, who you've already mentioned in our conversation, uh, he showed maybe that he is worthy of more praise, even though against Marion, a smaller college. His footwork was great. His post moves were really good. He is somebody that I think Indiana fans should watch very intently this season to see exactly what he can do as a freshman. I think he's going to be an important guy in particular just because, you know, I've I've written about this. We've talked about this on our podcast. I I think there is a real extent to which, you know, we've talked about if if there's a reason to doubt Indiana, it's essentially that you just, you're not sure about basically can this team raise its ceiling? Can this team be something more than what it was at the end of last year, because generally you, you kind of need to keep getting better and keep improving. Um, and I think that, that if that's going to happen, it's probably going to happen more on that second, what, what right now anyway is sort of defined as that second line, Malik Renew, Tamar Bates, Trey Galloway, etc. Guys where for one reason or another, we've seen the ability in there. They just haven't kind of, you know, been able to do it regularly for Indiana. And I think that, that what is, you know, if, you, if you're looking for basically where Indiana can raise its ceiling, it's with guys like that. It's with guys like Malik. And for him to look so smooth, like, I mean, he had a, the best way I can describe it is it's like his, he doesn't get sped up. His game is very smooth. He's very confident in it. Physically, he reminds me a lot of freshman year Trace Jackson Davis, the, the core and sort of the lower body strength are clearly there. The upper body's probably still got to come along a little bit, which is very normal for a freshman. But, the you know, I don't think physically this, this season is going to be just this, this you know, this, this huge adjustment for him. I just think he's very, I think he's very comfortable in basically how his game translates to this level. And if you go from a place where, and I'm not trying to pick on Michael Durr, but at the end of last season, Michael Durr, production-wise, was, was not given Indiana much. If you can go from Michael Durr to Malik Renew, and, and it, not a double-double every night, but it looks like more like that is basically Indiana's second-line front court, 
you're you're in good hands. I mean, you're in you are in very good hands if you're Indiana when Trace Jackson Davis is banged up or in foul trouble or just needs a breather. The, the, there's a real possibility that the, the drop off is not as steep as it was a year ago, and that's big for Indiana. Talking IU basketball, their big win over Marion in their first of two exhibition games on Saturday with Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star. One other freshman I wanted to talk about, I'm not sure what his role will be this season and his minutes will be like, especially once Tamar Bates is healthy and playing. But C.J. Gunn, an in-state player from Lawrence North, he really showed off his three-point abilities on Saturday. Quick release, very capable shooter. I'm not sure that it'll be this year, but in future seasons, that's exactly what Indiana needs. I, personally, I think his shot is is pretty much college ready, and I didn't, you know, I, I I didn't have a sense for that until I saw him. Obviously, I saw him at Lawrence North, but you don't you don't know how a guy like that's going to fit until you can see it at, at you know this level at the, the college level. Um, you know his the way he moved into it, the way he found space for it. Um, you know his his basically his drive, his release. Um, the, just the, again, going back to Malik Renew, the, the smoothness in that part of his game. Um, for a kid that is, I think, bigger than I expected. I mean, again, I think he was just very slight in high school, which happens sometimes, but he filled out fairly quickly. You're right. We'll see what his playing time looks like. Um, you know, Tamar Bates will eat into that a little bit. And, you know, it, it's worth saying that, you know, Indiana had two. You know, a starter, probably a starter in Trace Jackson Davis and probably a reserve in Tamar Bates, both out. So there's quite a lot of minutes redistribution that is going to happen once those guys get healthy. And my understanding right now is, is neither of those guys is a long-term concern, particularly Jackson Davis. Um, but having said that, you know, if you're Indiana, it does feel like maybe you, you look down the bench and say, is, is this a guy that can come in and hit a couple threes for us? You know, not necessarily a player you're going to give 28 minutes tonight, but, you know, if, if the matchup's favorite and he can keep coming along defensively, I think Gunn could be a player that, that helps Indiana out in some spots this year. Zach, you just touched on it with Trace Jackson Davis and Tamar Bates. They were both out. We had a feeling that was going to happen based on Mike Woodson's comments when he talked to the media on Friday, and then IU confirmed that just before tip-off Saturday afternoon. Any idea of what's going on? You mentioned you don't feel like it's anything serious with Tamar. I do believe that Trace, we saw a photo of him last week at a NIL autograph opportunity here in southern Indiana. He had a little cast on his right hand, I believe it was. Any any update or anything you saw Saturday that gives more insight into what could be going on and how long those two key guys could be out for the Hoosiers? Yeah, I'm not quite so sure on Tamar. Um, with Trace, I do think it's very precautionary. And, you know, obviously, going back to your point about what we heard from, from Mike Woodson, you know, that there, there's an extent to which if, if you're hearing the coach say, well, I just got to see at practice what's going on and what, you know, what they're dealing with, then it's probably a bit day-to-day with both of them. Um, but with, with Trace in particular, I, I at this point, my understanding is it's it's not a big concern, and I'm not saying you're not worried about Tamar Bates too if you're an Indiana fan. But obviously, Trace Jackson Davis is is going to be, you know, in terms of if, if we're making a list of guys that fans don't want to see get hurt, Trace Jackson Davis is obviously at the top of it for this team. I think that um, I think he's okay. Um, I, I if I'm I don't I don't want to speak at the school because I'm not a doctor. I haven't seen his you know his charts or his whatever 
it, it, it almost sounded like something that maybe if this had been Michigan, maybe he would have played, but because it's Marion, he didn't need to, if you understand what I'm saying. Um, and you can do a little bit of that with guys like Trace and Race, you know, if not in games, then in practices anyway, you know. You see that a lot in football where there's just days of the week where your seniors just don't play because th- their bodies don't need the pounding and their um, – you know, their, 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 their experience says that they're okay taking a day off and letting a younger guy get some more runs. So I think, I think Trace in particular is going to be okay. Um, we'll, we'll hear a little bit more, I imagine, soon about Bates. But obviously we're going to get a, another look at this team pretty soon with their second exhibition, so maybe things will change by then. All right, Zach Osterman, the Indianapolis star with us. Glad to have basketball to talk about. We're no longer talking necessarily about preseason talking points, but we got a chance to see the Hoosiers uh, in action on Saturday afternoon. Big win, easy win, as expected, over Marion and NAIA team from uh, within our state. Zach, other takeaways from the game? Let's review how you thought Jalen hood Shafino looked in his first college exhibition. Yeah, I thought there was some good, some bad. I think um, you had a couple turnovers that you felt like probably were a freshman you know, forcing some things that maybe work for him at a different level that, that won't here. Although, you know, I mean, we were having this discussion on Press Row. I mean, Montverde is probably, I'm not trying to pick on Marion, but Montverde is probably better than Marion. So, you know, it, 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 the level of competition probably wasn't a system shock for him or Malik Renew. That probably went into Renew's performance as well. Um, he looked good defensively, which I think is, is clearly something that this, this team is, is hoping he can contribute. You know, the, the, it has been striking the extent to which his coach and his teammates have talked about him like a potential two-way player, um, which is not something you often say a freshman, but I think, you know, speaks, speaks highly of, of, of Chafino's skills. I, I, the other thing that really jumped out to me was his mid-range jumper. And, you know, it, it, you know, in modern basketball, we don't shoot the mid-range much anymore. It's not a very high percentage shot. It's very much sort of like layups and threes, and those are the high efficiency plays. And I get that. The one thing I'll say is that a, a good mid-range jumper, it, it, you know, it's, it's most guys probably shouldn't shoot it, but the guys that can hit it should. Um, one, because not so many people don't do it anymore, and so it, it distinguishes your game. Two, because, you know, Think about Johnny Davis. Think about Keegan Murray. You know, just just to use a couple recent examples in the Big Ten. Think about what a good mid-range jumper does in a late-game situation. Because a, a, a mid-range shot is a lot easier to create than a clean look at a free, and it tends to be easier to create than, let's say, a, a clean drive to the basket. Because teams, you know, three-pointers can can be. You know, basically just there's a lot of moving parts on creating a, a good look at a three, a lot of screening action and things like that, and sometimes those plays can break down quickly. And then when you want to get all the way to the rim, teams are obviously going to be focused on closing it off and collapsing. But if you can be that guy that, you know, kind of curls around a screen or, you know, even if it's off the ball, just kind of pops to the free throw line extended, a defender may not follow you out there. They may think, well, they, you know, their instincts may tell them that's not a good shot. But if you can hit it, and I'm thinking about a couple key shots Armand Franklin hit in an Indiana uniform as well, I mean, that's a weapon. That, that is a, a genuine weapon in a late-game situation. So that flag, I flagged that just a little bit too, just kind of one of those, you know, make a note of it, put it in a drawer for now, but maybe 
maybe it's something that comes out when Indiana needs a big late bucket somewhere down the line. All right, Zach, one other positive I, I want to bring up. A little bit of a surprise. I know we heard some offseason bragging on Logan Duncombe from Trace Jackson Davis and others, but Logan Duncombe, 11 points and 11 rebounds, a double-double for him against uh, Marion on Saturday. Um, I, I'm not sure how to take that. I know it's an exhibition game. I know it's Marion, but Logan Duncombe, we virtually saw very little to not much of him at all last year, and to see him in any game come out and be someone that got regular minutes and had that type of performance, I think, is eye-opening and makes you wonder what his ceiling could be and where he is headed uh, as far as his role on Indiana's team goes. Yeah, I mean, Mike Woodson sort of reserves special praise for him in the post-game press conference, and I think also in that, that sort of locker room snippet that they posted on their social accounts, um, he singled him out in there as well. Uh, you know what? I guess what stuck out to me a little bit with Duncan was he had to fight for it. And, you know, that on the one hand, maybe physically, that tells you he's still not as far along as a Jackson Davis or a race cops or even maybe Malik Renew. But on the other hand, like, there were a lot of scrappy rebounds in there. You know, and there were some, you know, there were some, uh, and I, I don't mean dirty like cheating, I mean dirty in a good way. There were some dirty points in there. He had to, he had to get his hands dirty to get his numbers on, on Saturday. And, um, that tells you that, you know, the, the physical progress everybody's, you know, sort of believed he made in the offseason is clearly there. Um, but there's also maybe a, a bit of a, a, a bit of growth in terms of, you know, his willingness. Ray Thompson told a story at team media day back in September where he said there was like a workout or an open gym or something in the summer and he was going for a rebound maybe, and somebody put an arm in his back and just kind of like really shoved him, like gave him a good firm push to compete for the, again, I think it was a rebound. And he turned around, and he was surprised when he found out it was Logan Duncombe. And he, you know, he said it was just kind of a moment where he thought, okay, well, I guess you're, you know, I guess you're a different player now. That's fine. Um I felt like you saw more of that physically, but also maybe, you know, whether it's mentally, whatever, intangibly, whatever sort of words you want to use there from Duncombe as well. No, he wasn't always dominating the paint. Sometimes he was, to be fair. Um, and his, you, you could tell he's gotten better, I think, using his reach. You know, guys sometimes need to learn a little bit at this level how to use their wingspan. He's got a good wingspan, using his reach to tip rebounds and things like that, keep rebounds, you know, sort of second – uh, second jump rebounds where he's, he's, the, he's off the floor, but he's also the first guy back off the floor a second time when the rebound doesn't come down on the first jump. But I also thought there was just a lot of sort of when he had to fight for it, you could see him fight for it as well. And I think that tells you something not just about how far Logan Duncombe has come physically, but also just in, in some more intangible areas. Absolutely. Zach, one, I don't want to call it negative, but one maybe concerning point from the scrimmage, Xavier Johnson, I think I saw he was... <laughs> 2 of 11 from the field, so he struggled shooting. We know Indiana's previous struggles for a number of seasons now shooting the ball. I think Xavier's expected to do a little more than what he did in that game on Saturday. Any concerns there, and what would you see from Xavier? Just a tough day for him all around as far as shooting went. Yeah, I mean, listen, you can say that he was probably missing maybe his best friend on the floor and Trace Jackson Davis. We saw how good those guys were working together at the end of the last season. 
I think there's also a reality where, you know, this is just a little bit of what you're going to get from Xavier Johnson. I mean, he had games like this last year, and I don't remember what his assist number was because um, I don't have the box score right in front of me, but um, the box score is actually an amusing mess for a while on Saturday, too, because the, the, the scoreboard operator fouls and things up. But, um, you know, I, I don't think – I don't think he had, like, five turnovers or anything like that. I think you've just got to legislate for getting a game like that from Xavier Johnson every once in a while. And obviously you would like for a guy like that to, you know, to, to be more judicious as maybe he finds out his shot's not there or whatever. But the flip side is, with a fifth-year senior point guard, sometimes he needs to be able to shoot through it, you know, and, and find his shot as the game goes along. But I think what's encouraging if you're Indiana is you can look around and you can say, okay, but there's a – you know, there's a, uh, a Jalen Hood Shafino here now, so if, if Johnson doesn't have it, you know, Hood Shafino can become the guy for a night. Obviously, we didn't see Tamar Bates, but a lot of people believe Bates is, is growing rapidly into being a player of that caliber as well after, you know, last season obviously being so hot and cold. Um, I think sometimes you're just going to get those nights from Xavier Johnson. I think that's just kind of part of who he is, and I think you've got to be comfortable with it. All right, Zach Osterman, the Indianapolis Star. He's with us Mondays to start the week on IU basketball. We didn't get to IU football today. The Hoosiers coming out of a bye weekend. But, Zach, thanks for all the insight. We can rejoice that basketball season is finally here, and we'll talk with you next week. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, as always. All right, Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star, my guest. We'll head to a commercial break. Back with Chad Gilbert. He's the athletic director at Charlestown High School member of the IHSA Executive Committee representing Southern Indiana. We'll talk local sports. Providence Volleyball headed to the state championship match in 3A next Saturday, this Saturday, I should say, in Muncie, and more high school football coming up. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Let's win this and for all the small schools who never had a chance to get here. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Let's win for Coach, who got us here. Here's Matt Dennison. All right, we're back on this Monday program. Chad Gilbert is with me in this segment. We talk the latest on local sports, a lot of high school stuff with Chad. Chad is not only the AD at Charlestown, he's an IHSA executive board member on the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame Board of Directors as well, and kind enough to take a few minutes out of his busy day to join us here on Mondays. Chad, before we get into local stuff, Romeo Langford last night, the opportunity to start, obviously with the situation, not a good one surrounding Josh Primo right now, a former first-round draft pick, the Spurs, along with some injuries, or filling some voids, and Romeo making the most of his opportunity. He got 30 minutes last night after really not playing much in the preseason for the Spurs on a regular basis. He had seven points, a handful of rebounds, and an opportunity at this point is an opportunity, Chad. No question about it, Matt, and it sounds like Romeo's making the most of it. Did you manage to mention Romeo blocking Rudy Gobert's dunk last night. <laughs> no, I did not. Oh, you know, and that's what you've got to do when you're in a situation like Romeo is. He's he's playing for his life. 
and he's going out there. He's lit, he's putting it all out on the on the floor every time he steps out there, and he's continuing to get the experience, to get the minutes he needs. And I think that's just going to give him more and more confidence because we all know Romeo is that highest level player in the world. Romeo is good. I mean, he, he's an NBA player, you know, and he's someone that you know when when the opportunity arises, he he gets that confidence he needs. You know, he he's catches some breaks on being healthy. You know, to me, he's an NBA All-Star type player. I know everyone in uh, our area is rooting for him, and I know I am for sure because, you know, what an outstanding person, someone who's great for Southern Indiana. Absolutely. Chad Gilbert, my guest. Chad, a lot of local stuff. I want to start with volleyball from a high school perspective. Providence is headed back to a state championship game in Muncie. They'll take on their 3A opponent in that respective classification on Saturday afternoon. And Floyd Central, a heck of a year, uh, defeated in a good competitive semi-state match, as you would hope it would be, uh, at Columbus East on Saturday. Some really good volleyball from Providence and Floyd Central specifically this season. Now we'll see if Terry Parika can do it again. Can she win another volleyball state championship? Well, Matt, first off, you know, congratulations to Floyd Central on an outstanding year. You know, they, they played a very strong match against Yorktown, who's ranked number two. Uh, Yorktown's only lost two matches all season. Um, going beyond three sets with them, you know, that's a huge accomplishment for Floyd Central. Um, I know Floyd had a lot of seniors, a lot of people involved with it, but I look for Floyd to be, win that sectional again next year. But congratulations for them. And if you, you know, if you get an opportunity this weekend, there's great volleyball in Muncie. And I know there's a lot of volleyball in this area. Uh, we'll talk about Providence in just a second, but that 4A state championship game between Hamilton Southeastern and Yorktown, Matt, it could be a five-hour match. I mean, because they're going to go back and forth, back and forth all night long, and it's one versus two. So it'll be exciting, it'll be fun, and uh, I'm anxious to check that out in person. You know, you talked about Providence, Matt. What what can you say about Providence? You know, we talked about Coach Perica and the success she has, the culture she's created, uh just getting her kids to buy in and what they do. They, uh, you know, Floyd's or Providence's team is a team that um, they just, they find a way to win. They have, uh, they have six players, you know, that uh, really stepped up and had double digit digs. Um, There's no great volleyball it's a team full of great volleyball operators. There's not, there's not one superstar in that team, but a whole lot of people that really play together who have bought into Coach's system, who play not only for themselves, but for Providence, but they play for each other. And you don't see that much at the high school level, you know, in, in any sport. And when you have that, that's, that is just outstanding. And they played, um, you know, West uh, Weibo, who was, I, th- I think, the f- hold me to it, man. I think they were runner-up last year in 3A, mm. but they um, they hung, r- Providence came out early. They, they uh, We both came back with them, and Providence um, came back and won the match. You know, So it's outstanding. I know I've gotten a, a, a little bit more insight on it. I have a special interest. Uh, my good friend, uh, Camilla Adams, is an outstanding player for her. You know, I've, I've known her since she's a baby, and to see her develop on and off the court 
is just so exciting. And to see the kids, I mean, she's just an outstanding young lady. And to see her team, they just seem like the same person. The whole team just seems like this, they have that same winner's win attitude. So I'm excited for them. They, they've got their hands cut out for them. You know, they've got they've got a tough match coming on with Belmont, who um, is someone that they've been there before. They know what it takes, but you can guarantee that Providence will be ready. Providence has played the schedule. They're battle-tested. Their kids will not be caught in a moment. They'll come out there ready to do what they've done in the process, and they'll win another state championship. I know we're excited in Southern Indiana for them, and uh, it'll be an exciting day for Clark County and the Pioneers as they uh, – win as they go to try to win another state championship all right chad we got to talk some high school football uh we had a pretty good first week of the postseason things not as good for our local teams including your pirates on friday night providence the only local team to win they'll play for a football sectional championship coming up at home against a very tough undefeated tecumseh team on friday night i think that will be a thrilling game to be at and we're going to cover that game I understand on Friday night, but that said, the Pirates, your Charlestown Pirates, had really a historic season, undefeated as far as the record books will show in the regular season, but they came up short to a tough, tough Heritage Hills team on Friday night. You know, we'll take ten and one all the time. Uh, I know Coach Hawkins. I know the kids, the community. You know, everyone is disappointed. We feel like we can. Uh, you, you all, only one team is going to be happy. And that's the team that wins their last game. There's only going to be one team that wins the state championship. So you're going to lose. But I thought our kids battled. We played really uh, – we fought back. You know, I'm not going to say that's one of the best games we played all year. And if you ask anybody who was there, it wasn't. However, it was a game that our kids could have packed it up, and they didn't. They fought back, got themselves in a position to win the game. We uh, – a bad third quarter started, you know, on a kickoff return and interception really, really hurt us and put it up, put us behind the eight ball. But our kids, our coaches, our community, our fans, they stood behind the team and put a, you know, we were in a position to win. So I got to, you know, really congratulate the team on not giving up, not folding their tents, but continuing to fight. And that's what it's about. And I think that we, you know, we've got a great team coming back next year. I think we can really learn off this. We can build on it, and we can get better. You know, I th- but I think you've got to keep that in your mind all offseason, those days in January that you do not want to be in the weight room. Those extra reps of watching film, uh, those are the things that you got to remember back on this game. I can remember we won the state in 2011 at Jeffersonville. 2010, we got beat two games. Floyd Central beat us twice, once during the season, once during the sectional. Both at Floyd, by the way. Not that that matters, but both at Floyd. But anyway, we kept those things in our mind all season, all off season. Everything we did, we reminded them about that one. Floyd had an outstanding team. They went on to semi-state that year and got beat by Ben Davis, who was defending state champion. But we called upon that when that had to run that extra sprint, when we had to get in the weight room at 6 a.m. Everything that we were trying to do was based on not wanting to have that feeling in our gut again. And I hope that uh, our team does that in the offseason moving forward. You're talking about Providence. going to be a big weekend for the Pioneers, you know, being able to play for a, a sectional championship on Friday, follow that up with a volleyball state championship on Saturday. There's a lot of excitement over there. And uh, 
you know what I think about Providence? They look very, very good against us. Uh, Tecumseh's no slouch. That will be an outstanding game, Matt. I, I think it's something that uh, football fans will be able to get their fix by going to that. No question. Chad Gilbert, my guest, talking high school and local sports. Chad, you covered a lot of ground there. Great stuff. I do want to move on. Uh, IU basketball, we don't talk a lot of that with you, but did you get a chance to watch the exhibition game on Saturday? I know a lot of people frustrated they couldn't get it on TV. Yes, you had to have Big Ten Plus for that one and a couple coming up. And did you get a chance to watch the UofL exhibition? They lost to a Division II team on on Sunday. Matt, I appreciate you throwing me that softball. Being a Division <laughs> II former player, playing at the Division II level, you know, and that's the thing. So when, when I was in high school, I signed with Indiana State. I played two years in Indiana State. Started, oh, I don't know how many games this, my sophomore year, maybe half the games, averaged seven or eight points or whatever else. And then was able to transfer to USI and play for Bruce Pearl, and the rest is history. You know, we've had, had a great career down there, won a national championship, an All-American. But that being said, the schedule and the types of players we played at the Division II level were very, very similar to what we played in the Missouri Valley Conference in Indiana State. There may be a touch more athleticism, a touch more strength, but I thought at the Division II level, there was a touch more skill, a, a touch more shooters. There was a lot of different things involved in it. To, and to see those guys now be able to play a big-time, uh, high-major program, that does not surprise me because those guys are hungry. You know, everyone on, uh, on those teams – if you don't think that they aren't, they're not thinking, I should be playing for UFL. I should be playing for IU. I should be playing for UK. When they play those guys, you're crazy. They're going out there with something to prove to, to win that game. And that's something that uh, you get that opportunity to play that big-time game one time. You can guarantee the Division Two team is going to be ready. Um, the Division One lace them up tight, so I can tell you, because they're coming at you. You know, in Division One, you're playing at Kentucky's. You're playing at Dukes. You're playing Indiana's. You're playing... North Carolina is on and on and on. So it's just another game. But anytime you take an opponent on and you have that mindset of just another game, you're setting yourself up to get beat. Absolutely. Chad Gilbert, my guest. Uh, Chad is with us uh, Mondays on the show to help start the week from a local perspective. Chad, as always, thanks for joining us and uh, always enjoy our chats. Basketball season is basically here. Girls basketball begins in a big way in our state on Tuesday night, and boys is just around the corner. We've got a lot of fun Monday chats coming up, my good friend. Matt, it's hard to believe that basketball season's here with the girls tipping off this week. I mean, it's not days that go by quick. It's weeks that go by quick, Matt. And it, we're excited for our kids to have the opportunity to compete, and I hope everyone in state enjoy, in the state enjoys their winter and keep, keeps coming out and supporting our kids just like they did in the fall. Absolutely. Chad Gilbert with us on Mondays. That's going to wrap things up for this Monday edition of the program. A reminder, if you missed the live show, you can always find us as a podcast. All you got to do is search for the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. And wherever you listen to podcasts, you'll find us there. Be back with you Tuesday. We've got, uh, let's see, Mike Schumann of the Daily Hoosier and Jeff Rabjohns of Peaks.com. We'll talk more IU basketball in advance of the second exhibition game for the Hoosiers coming up on Thursday night. Have a great Monday and happy Halloween. I almost forgot all about that. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.